Welcome to the X-Men Tasks Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. Sonia, we are talking about X-Men Evolution. We're in Season 3. We're up to Episode 10, an episode called X-23. And I think we all know what that refers to. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the best episode of X-Men Evolution we've watched yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we discovered in doing a little research for it, for a lot of interesting reasons... But before we dive into all that, let's start with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. Join the Facebook group, X-Men Test Podcast. Search us out there. Interact with us and the other fans. It's always a blast. And most importantly, uh, if you love the show and you want to support us, the only way to do so is to take two minutes out of your day, log on to Apple's podcast, iTunes, and leave us a nice five-star review. Um, that is the best and only way to support us, and we always appreciate uh, anyone who takes the time to do that. Okay, Sonia, before we start talking about X-23... Uh, let's just talk about what we've been watching this past week. Okay. We finished The Expanse. Mm -hmm. That's done. We are watching season one again just to sort of see how it all connects because yeah. we watched that years ago and forgot about it. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and we've moved on to another science fiction show. Well, alternate science history show uh -huh. for all mankind from Apple TV. Yep. Um, do you want to start describing the show? Um... It's basically, like you said, an alternate timeline. And, like, the premise is just that in the space race, the Soviet Union won and not the United States. Right. They landed on the moon first. And they take it from there. And I I like it a lot so far. We, I think we watched four episodes. Yeah, I think we're about four in. Uh, and yep. it's cool because the premise, like, that little change is small at the beginning. It's, like, you know, takes place in the 1960s and 70s, the first few episodes, of course. And the representation of that time period in the United States, I think, is, you know, it's pretty serviceable. Good. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. good as far as 60s content goes. I feel like there's a nice spectrum, or not a nice one, an interesting spectrum of how the 60s are represented in film and television, uh -huh. where you've got your really chintzy, low-quality side. Uh -huh. I remember when I was a kid, there was a made-for-TV NBC movie might have just been called Woodstock, hmm. and you had all your, like, dumb characters, like your standard hippie, your standard Vietnam vet, your standard, like, stern parents that can't believe how all the children are changing mm -hmm. kind of thing, and they're just d painted in very broad stereotypes. Yeah. And then you've got your way, like, highbrow 60s representation. I think, like, most comes to mind is, like, Scorsese. Yeah, Like, okay. Goodfellas era. You know what like, I mean? Just Mad some, Men. Yeah, Mad Men is on the very top line where it's just great costumes, acting set Sets. design yeah. and all that and i think this one falls like it's not mediocre but it's it's like a seven out of ten yeah it's pretty good yeah i'll agree with that uh so it's got that going for and the music is really great too i mean they have some nice choice cuts of music that uh, buttress a lot of the scenes it's not uh, that's the other thing too the music can fall on the spectrum as well mm -hmm. and the low end side you've got the most standard jefferson airplane plane songs that yeah. you hear in every uh 60s documentary and then on the very high end you've got I mean, the, the highest end would be the Beatles, which <laughs> they, no one is going to. No show one, up no one really gets to like license that much. Although it was in the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary, the very last song they play is "Let It Be," oh, the actual right. Beatles recording, which I thought was quite moving. I was like, "Let It Be" is of Beatles songs is kind of played out, and it's just it's a classic that you've heard a million times. But after you watch like twenty hours of Ken Burns like sad Vietnam content, hearing "Let It Be" at the very end, you're like, "Oh, this actually makes sense. This is quite." You know, I finally understood the context of that song from the '60s itself. Of just like it's a real capstone to the 1960s experience hmm. in a way anyway uh, th that's a tangent for another day <laughs> for all mankind pretty decent 60s show yeah right and uh it's funny that it's like it's got a very like small what if premise 
Most what if premises are very big and dark and disturbing. Like what if the Nazis had won? Like the Man in the High Castle, that yeah. Amazon show, uh-huh. uh, that I didn't really care for that much. Um, and you know, there's other like what if examples. The James Franco Hulu series based on the Stephen King book, eleven twenty three sixty three, where he travels back in time to prevent the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. That had actually very high production values. I thought that I, quite I good. enjoyed that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this the, reminds me of that actually in terms of like production value. And it's clo- yeah, I think tone maybe. right. I think so too. Um, and so the show looks good. It it's got like a kind of like just like a weird little narrow premise, but it's kind of fun in a way too because you're not it's not overburdened with it's not overleaden with yeah. seriousness. Right. It's like what's what's the biggest stakes thus far that we've seen is that the the, the pride of the super empire of the United States is hurt a little bit because the Soviet Union got to the moon first, mm-hmm. and it just allows for like it allows for the butterfly effect uh, to. Uh, blossom its wings or whatever or blow its winds in a like just an interesting way Mm -hmm. like for example uh, without trying to spoil it too much like for a number of reasons they need to get a bunch more female astronauts into NASA earlier than they did in reality yeah so that's like a fun little like wow this that's kind of like a weird like turn of events that's happened that they need like a whole team of female astronauts Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that um and it's not like too off the wall either yet. Anyway, I don't know like how it's gonna play out. I don't think it stays in the sixties and seventies throughout, right? I, uh, from Maybe what, season one does. And yeah, then they I think jump season or two. Like I remember a friend telling me that it jumps yeah, forward. I, I don't know. Maybe it goes to the eighties. Uh, but uh, I like the show. It's, anyway, it's, yeah, it's cool so far. It's kind of like a nice, like uh, sort of like a just like a nice sort of uh, change of pace from the Expanse, which is also like a show about outer space uh-huh. people traveling into the solar system yep. but that's like very serious and very violent and very intense mm-hmm. and uh this show is just sort of like a little more lighthearted. yeah playing with just fun tropes of history and and uh like nasa content's always fun too yep it's always fun we're to, always suckers for space stuff it's always fun <laughs> to see those realistic you know astronaut suits from the 60s those big puffy white cl- super clean outfits uh-huh. and, and just when they lock the helmet in and put that red latch over over it I just I'm a sucker for that stuff too and yeah seeing those shiny uh, the, like lunar landing modules with the golden like landing feet and stuff I, I just like all that so very enjoyable show uh, maybe uh, try to watch it I, you can get like a seven day Apple free Apple TV thing I, seven days is probably not enough to binge two seasons unless you have nothing else to do yeah uh but we're just trying to download them somewhere <laughs> that's another suggestion um anyway okay so we've been watching for all mankind one last thing we should mention before we jump into x23 is we did see the marvel super trailer mm. that they put out there where they sort of like celebrate the history of marvel movies as if they need more celebrating and they give you like 15 seconds of the eternals mm-hmm. the new chloe zhao movie uh that you know no one really knows that much about it's kind of like a mystery film mm-hmm. so i mean i didn't even recognize that angelina jolie was in the trailer mm-hmm. she's got some like weird white wig going on yeah and i had to watch one of those breakdown trailers and it's like an angelina jolie is in the background i was like oh really that's her yeah it's kind of surprising um i don't know what do you what do you think of your 15 seconds of the eternals uh we didn't get that much information right. but i also don't know anything about them really right which is fine i have no expectations so i'll probably enjoy the movie when it comes out it has a great cast Selma it's, hayek and right uh Cal, uh the guy from silicon valley his name's escaping yeah me, me too that's who i was trying to think of anyway 
Kamal Nanjimani, is that how you pronounce Nanjani? it? Okay, him. <laughs> he's, um, a, he's a fun actor. So... So not much like to, to go on from the Eternals trailer, but uh, it's it's another... I mean, the Eternals are D-list characters, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, like Shang-Chi as well. Yeah. And Marvel has proven adept as a movie company in taking their real, like super not-known characters and... The get, under-the-radar characters they seem really successful with, you know? The whole I, Avengers franchise is built on that. Essentially, too. I mean, those are C-list, which is an interesting distinction. Yeah. Um, but you're right, yeah. They took the C-list Avengers and they made them super popular. Yeah. And they took the D-list Guardians of the Galaxy and did the same. So they'll probably succeed as well with the Eternals mm-hmm. and Shang-Chi as well. And that, that should be interesting. I mean, the, the thing that Marvel has had going for them... Uh, we talked about this earlier was that they're they're not burdened with the expectations of of super hyper vigilant fan bases like they will be with the x-men one day yeah when they do the x-men we're gonna be real upset we're gonna be really happy and then we're gonna see it and then we'll probably be right. real upset. i mean people are gonna be all over the costumes they're gonna be all over the the plot changes they're gonna be all over the casting like everything is gonna be under a microscope they don't have to worry about the eternals yeah like meeting the expectations of like, I never thought, like, uh, Icarus was supposed to look this way. That's one of the characters from the Eternals, right? Like, yeah. no one is... I, I, I doubt it. The, the, there can't be that many Eternals comic fans out there. Uh, I'm sure they're, if they are, they're probably just happy that a movie's getting made. That must be exciting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but with the X-Men, it's like people are going to be looking at every stitch on Gambit's trench coat yeah. <laughs> trying to see if it I'm meets sure. their expectations. People including us. Yeah, and that's kind of a bummer in a way, too, because it's just, it's like... We we all we all bring our biases baked into it, and if it's if it's too crazy for us, it's gonna be a bummer to just point it out and be like, well, it's like they could have done it so much better, and you know, I understand that they're taking a chance, but why did they take a chance? That I mean, you get into those debates, which yeah. we might have in the future. So I, this is just gonna be more like, hey, let's just see what the Eternals is about. So that should be interesting, and they also tease the Fantastic Four again, mm-hmm. uh, which. Again, that's going to have a lot of people really like bringing out their uh, that's their microscopes. Be an under the microscope. yeah, yeah, people are going to be like they've 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 already failed with that, those movies a few times, and it's hard to translate the Fantastic Four to film because the plots are very outlandish. The characters are like Doctor Doom. Al- yeah, Doctor Doom alone is an outlandish comic book character. He's great in a comic. Yeah, he's great in a cartoon in an animated setting. Is he great in a live action? You know, they've already screwed it up twice by trying to bring him down to earth, and that pleased nobody, you know? So we'll see. Um, But there's, I guess there's a lot on the horizon. We will, uh, if we haven't mentioned it, we'll get to Invincible at some point, too. Uh, The Amazon violent show based on a comic book. Uh, I hear it's good. Mm -hmm. I've heard some mixed things, actually. I've heard some people say it's okay. I'm interested to to see how we react to it. Don't know anything about the comic book either. So we'll, we'll, we'll give you our opinions on that when we do watch it. Um, yeah, so let's move on to X-Men Evolution. As I said at the top here, I think this is the best episode yet. We've been saying that lately with a few of them, that yeah. they've really been exceeding our expectations lately. And this one, best-looking episode mm-hmm. we've seen. Like, the animation was top-notch. In the, like, it looked like it was Japanese anime at times. Uh, I was sort of blown away by that. And also, the idea that I had no idea and, uh, you know, colored me ignorant here... Uh, that X-23 was created for X-Men Evolution. Right. Uh, created by 
Craig Kyle, mm-hmm. who I guess is one of the writers of the show, and I guess maybe like a co-creator credit for uh, Chris Yost, who we've talked about a lot recently in this podcast too. He's one of the main guys behind Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh, the Avengers show from like 2010, which you can see in Disney Plus, a fantastic Marvel animated series. So, I, you know, I'm excited that Chris Yost was on X-Men Evolution, and surprise, surprise, this is one of the best episodes yet of the series, which we've kind of pilloried a lot for different reasons here and there. Yeah. So this is like, if X-Men Evolution was like this from the beginning, I would have been like this show. I would have watched it years ago. Mm-hmm. I would have been way into it. Um, but it is cool, though, that, like, one, they, like, they introduce a character that is now a mainstay of the comic books, uh, and she's been in, a, like, a great X-Men movie in Logan. Yeah. You know, the Laura character. And um, I want, before we jump into it, I want to talk a little bit, because I, I went down a deep uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole mm-hmm. uh, reading about uh, X-23, her history, and Wolverine's current history. And I just want to throw some crazy facts at you. Okay. Um, for starters, uh, you know, and this is what I believe too, my like limited knowledge of X-23. I haven't read many modern uh, X-23 comics. Um, uh, she starts off as the clone of Wolverine, which makes sense, the female clone. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's a science experiment. and But then like over time, I, I read it was retcon that, no, she, Wolverine's the biological father hmm. of the character. I was just like, really? Okay. And that she was actually, she wasn't created like as a clone. She was like gestated in a woman, this doctor woman. Huh. And that's a hell of a retcon. Right. That was a, an Iron Man discovered it. Like yeah, okay. it said that Tony Stark was the one, his research figured out that Wolverine actually is the biological father. Huh. And uh, her name, X-23, which they discuss in the episode, is she's the 23rd iteration of some Hydra experiment where they're trying to make a, the, another like, an weapon. An ultimate weapon, yeah. Uh, although I think in the comics, it was, they, they retconned it. It wasn't Hydra. It was just some... I don't know, some, like, organization, like, the Weapon X Project, maybe, it was doing it. Okay. Uh, And she also, something I forgot, too, about the X-23 character, she's got the claws in her feet as well, or, like, one claw each. Right. Which is interesting. Also, her whole, I think in the episode, they imply that her whole body is covered in the adamantium, like, she went through the adamantium bodying process. Not covered, but her skeleton. Right, skeleton, right. Right, Not body, right. Her skeleton. Uh, It's implied in this episode which is her real origin is this episode is crafting yeah, right. which is kind this of surprising is it. yeah. it's not in the comics but in the comics it's she only got the adamantium on her claws her feet claws and her her two bladed hand claws oh. that they didn't do the full thing on her okay so uh x23 they uh, wanted to make it more like child friendly did they say i don't know well i mean in the comics it doesn't have to be as child friendly i guess yeah that's true so i don't know why they they just like made it that her bones are regular maybe just maybe it's more interesting from a writing standpoint if she breaks her bones but she has healing factor like logan she does but if before wolverine had the adamantium skeleton probably have to do a little bit more healing if you fell off a high building (laughs) falls bones broke uh anyway um, those are some key differences there. She joins the X-Men at some point in different versions. She joins X-Force. She ends up donning like a Wolverine-type costume at a certain point in the comics, which is kind of cool. looks kind of cool. It's like a sexier one. Sure. Uh, also, um, Wolverine's dead. In the comics? Well, he died recently, oh. and then he's brought back to life. But I was surprised. I was reading. I was like, "Holy shit!" Wolverine like fully dies. She takes over, and they they do this very often now, and all, with all these major characters. Mm-hmm. They, as, with me, most famously, it's Batman. Mm-hmm. They kill off Batman's dead, and Robin, Robin becomes, becomes Batman. Batman, and then his son becomes Ro- Robin. Damian Wayne becomes right. Robin. Uh, 
But I, I was surprised they, like, really killed off Wolverine. He dies in some kind of gruesome adamantium thing hmm. where he's just, like, covered in adamantium and he dies that way. The X-Men bury him somewhere in an adamantium uh, casket. Hmm. And then one day, Jean Grey, like, comes across the grave and sees the caskets open. Why does his casket have to be adamantium? I think it might have been related to the way he died. Uh-huh. I'm not quite sure. Okay. So, but he's alive. You know, the casket's empty. Uh-huh. Uh, but then it turns out he's buried in another place, secretly. Zombie Wolverine? No, not zombie Wolverine. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, his resurrection is, uh, reading on Wikipedia is so complicated and so uh-huh. ridiculous. But fun. I mean, like, it was just fun to read. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, get, if you haven't read the comics, which I don't know if they're worth seeking out or not. Uh, like, I just read the Wikipedia page. It was fun to see, like, what Wolverine's been up to in the... The, like last 30 years la- or no last five years I okay would say. and um like the interesting thing about his resurrection was he's resurrected by some weird force and it's like he's only he's only meant to be resurrected briefly for some kind of mission mm-hmm. but then like because the force resurrects him it, it kicks his healing factor back in oh when he died originally he had lost his healing factor i think that like allowed him to die easier oh. so but then when his healing factor is turned on they say in the explanation that um it allowed him to resurrect for real mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's something to do with like shiar diamond time stones or something that like <laughs> contained his memories <laughs> but then he dies again mm-hmm. his resurrected self dies again he goes on some kind of weird suicide mission with nightcrawler to the sun to stop like this there, there's like a factory making master molds not just regular sentinels but like whole master molds by the sun mm-hmm. and wolverine has to go on a suicide mission with nightcrawler who's accepting of his death because he knows he's going to be like alive in the afterlife uh-huh. <laughs> like in the oh, marvel it is strong well not just faith. that because like the literal like afterlife has proven to be a real thing in the marvel universe uh-huh. right okay. so but he dies there too and he gets resurrected again somehow from that and it's just wow. so crazy like the the <laughs> amount of like deaths and resurrections going on in the marvel universe and then i was just reading through it it's like yeah and then when wolverine when the second resurrected wolverine meets with the resurrected cyclops i was like all right hold on a second <laughs> <laughs> i do remember cyclops dying too in a recent like x-men continuity as well but just, like, the fact of, like, trying to, like, plausibly say that, like, you can start in the 1960s with X-Men number one and then just, like, work away through this timeline. And you have to talk about, like, the multiple resurrected versions of these characters to try to say, like, this all this stuff, all these comic books actually happen. It's just uh, hilarious to me. Hmm. It's, it's, it's real fun. I mean, because DC did the opposite. They, like, they blew up their universe multiple times. Because it's just like it makes no sense anymore, you know what yeah. I mean? And they just like started over, mm-hmm. and the the new Fifty Two universe, whatever it's called, and there might even be a few other like alternate universes and all this. I mean, there definitely are alternate universes. Marvel has alternate universes too, yeah. But they still have the Six One Six continuity, which theoretically you read those those all the comics are canon essentially, mm-hmm. right? So it it is always like it's just a fun exercise as a comic fan because who could read every comic just to like catch up and just see what all the characters are up to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that, so that is a lot uh, of backstory there. But so yeah, let's talk about the specific content of this episode. How does it begin? Okay. <laughs> well, we see a mysterious figure in a mask and uh, some kind of jumpsuit, bodysuit thing, looking up some information in a big, powerful computer about Wolverine. We see all his stats. I thought his stats were bullshit. <laughs> for instance, they say he's five foot three. Makes sense for Wolverine. There's no way Wolverine is five foot three in the this show. Because he's taller than he's taller than most of the, the other people. characters. He's like yeah. as tall as Nick Fury. And I was, I was okay. Let's see how tall Nick Fury is in the scene. If Wolverine is five foot three, Nick Fury is five foot four. There's, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think Nick Fury is five foot four. So, 
Whatever, just fun detail. We paused on Social that. security number unlisted. Right, yeah, they had <laughs> that. Mark. Weight only 220 pounds, which I thought not realistic for Wolverine. We've talked about his weight before in the past, too. Mm. And He's at least 300 pounds with all that metal in him anyway. <laughs> Maybe it's a lightweight metal like aluminum. Okay, I don't think so, but go on. So uh, this mysterious figure looks up all this information, sees the computer, and then escapes this facility, runs away, um, has two claws, metal claws, much like Wolverines, that pop out. So right. that's your clue that it's X-23, right. if you know the, already what's coming. But if you watched the show when it first came out, this is a this brand new character. Brand new, yeah. right. You'd be like, oh my god, Wolverine claws, what's happening? But only two of them, <laughs> not three. Right. Uh, this So she's... X-23 is chased by dogs, guards, helicopters. It's a full-on... She uses her claws to, like, slide down the side of a building without falling. I thought that was pretty cool. I gotta say that the animation in this opening is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's like really cool. It's, like, next level for the show. Like, I didn't even understand why this looks so different than it does normally. Mm-hmm. It just looks really slick, and it's got great lighting effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, just great sort of action movement, camera direction. The whole thing just looked like A-plus top to bottom. Yeah. She, like, slices through a pipe and a bunch of steam releases, and, like, mm-hmm. the dogs and the guys, the guards trying to catch her are, like, all... Even the guard dogs have a lot of personality to the way they're drawn. It's like an anime, you yeah. know? It's not it's, cool. it's not, like, cheap-looking, like, most X-Men animation we're used to in our life, going back to the original series. Right. Anyway, she escapes and goes down into the sewers. Then, we're at the X-Mansion, and... Iceman and Berserker are out on, in, like, a training session that's being run by Wolverine. And all the young mutants are, like, out there hating the session that Wolverine... Yeah. He's really, like, too tough on them. And they're not having fun. I gotta say that the outdoor training sessions don't look as bad as the indoor danger room sessions. I agree. It looks much less dangerous. Yeah, it looks kind of, like, nice to be outside. <laughs> yeah. And, just, and there's a scene where they get shot by things, and it looks like they're being shot by rubber Nerf balls or something. Mm-hmm. Compared to we're in the danger room, a lot of times it's, like, explosives flying yeah. at them. So <laughs> I don't know what they're complaining about, but there's a lot of this training stuff uh, in the show, and it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's well, again, well drawn. This episode looks really good. Iceman looks really good. Yeah. He ices up, and you really see the, like, there's just like some, that blue ice electricity that happens. That sort of like special effect they do on him sometimes looked really good. I just like how they incorporate the younger generation of the mutant kids more and more. Yeah. Like at this point, you know, in this episode, Kinda, Iceman and Berserker are like two of the main X Men that you see. And they're around. friendly and they're friendly. Cool. Right. And it's, you start to get attached to these characters. They're not so incidental. Right. It's yeah, like, it's, and they actually are up to stuff. They're doing things. I mean, it's one thing that the show this show does better than the original series is they introduce new characters and they keep them around. That's true. The original series, we always complain, like, why is Angel not joining the team? Right, yeah. they really, like, grow the world of the X-Men, whereas the original series, it would be, like, a cameo. A cameo for an episode or two. Maybe they, come, they do come back sometimes, but yeah. it's always, like, there's a reason why Colossus isn't on the team permanently. Right. Colossus, to me, was the biggest failure of that in this series. There's a few other candidates, Archangel, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Colossus came back a lot of times. That he was so well voice acted, he looked great in the show. He would have just slotted in so nicely. Yeah, I think second place would be Nightcrawler. He came back a few times too. The character was so well done mm-hmm. in the original series, and the fact that you just don't have him stick around and just like swap, just swap a few of them out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't. I I get that they just I don't know. I, I think it's a matter of just, like, they didn't know if the show was going to be, like, in syndication or anything, or, you know, it was, like, a Saturday morning show, and you 
like things weren't really serialized that much at the time because that, there was right. no like rewatch guarantee. They had to like keep the the main cast as just the basic premise. Right. They had to make it so that you could just jump into any episode and kind of pick up on who the characters were, like who are the good guys and the bad guys. Well, I mean, the, I think they had to do that because it was one of the rare children's animated shows that was serialized. Right. So many. I mean, not all of it, like, but so many of the episodes were connected to the other ones. So they had to keep some kind of continuity probably for the young... They were probably afraid to take too many chances mm-hmm. and just, like, risk having to explain, like, why this new character is here and why another one has departed mm-hmm. uh, and keep it all straight. I mean, and, and think about what they were up against, too, in the sense that, like, a lot of the episodes aired out of order. Right. So yes. That's, that's a big that's a problem. Point. I yeah. mean, I'll never forget being a kid and just not understanding why Jean was alive again in the middle of season three when she comes <laughs> back for the Dark Phoenix because that episode wouldn't air till season five. Mm. So, yeah, it's just very bizarre stuff. Anyway, uh, so we see yeah. um, the younger generation of the mutants um, doing their training exercises with Wolverine. And uh, X-23 is, like, at the X-Mansion just watching what's going on. She's, like, in the trees kind of glaring down at them. She looks like she's ready to pounce at any moment, but, like, she's waiting for her opportunity. Meanwhile, inside, Rogue is still recovering from... Her whole episode she had where she absorbed a million people's consciousnesses. and Two episodes ago, I think, right? Right, two or three ago, yeah. Um, And Professor X is just telling her, like, oh, take all the time you need. But it's kind of like a running joke that Rogue doesn't really want to have to participate in the the training sessions. The Wolverine training sessions. Because they're, like, they're intense and nobody likes them. Yeah. Uh, In the middle of the training session, Nick Fury shows up to pick up Logan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because he thinks that he was involved in some way with a shield break-in. So we find out that the facility that was broken into at the beginning of the episode... It had his DNA was on the crime scene. So he takes Wolverine back to, I guess, a shield facility and tells him, like, that the intruder that they're after had metal claws just like him and also his DNA. And Wolverine is completely confounded. You're being set up. (laughs) And this is also, by the way, the best Wolverine episode in a show where the Wolverine character is not that great. Mm. So this is kind of like nice that Wolverine's getting a very good episode. Yeah. And like an amazing lore episode that would have major ramifications in the comics and future movies, which is really cool. Yeah. And they pulled this off. Yeah. Way to go, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. You guys knocked out of the park. <laughs> they introduced us to Dr. Deborah Rissman. Is she a character that we know from somewhere else? No. And I think they ended up changing these doctor characters in the comics, too. Their names are different from mm-hmm. my readings of Wikipedia. You know, so even though this was the ground zero of X-23, they ended up, like, sort of just, like, shuffling the characters around a bit when they decide to really do the X-23 uh, mythology in the comic books. Okay. I mean, I feel like your classic doctor or senator or whatever, those types of characters are kind of incidental anyway. I, d- I don't know that I would really notice the difference. Yeah. So... Anyway, she explains that she was working with Hydra um, and that X-23 was sent in to S.H.I.E.L.D. as an operative, but then she went rogue. She's got some kind of uncontrollable anger that they can't control, and it's she's so dangerous and deadly that this doctor finally let her conscience get to her, and sort of she turned herself into S.H.I.E.L.D. to, like, I don't know. I, I like this part, actually, because Logan's like... 
Well, first she explains that she was doing a DNA project where she was supposed to create like another Weapon X, basically. Right. And at first she calls Logan Weapon X, and he's so offended. So then, like the next time it comes up, she's like Weapon X. I mean Lo- Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but she explains, you know, like we we were trying to make this like very dangerous weapon person. And Wolverine they- grills her on her morality. The experiment failed 22 times, but then with the 23rd, it was finally a success. And yeah, I like that part where he grills her on morality. Like, how could you be working for Hydra all that time and like participating in these horrendous experiments on like children? And she's like, because they, there's no limits. You know, I didn't have to worry about government regulations. Right. Uh, as a scientist, in my science. Yeah. you just get carte blanche to do whatever you want because it's private industry. But it's like, what, like, even still, the, the moral question is like, why would you want to, like, be interested in creating a a killer? Right. Like what? <laughs> like I get like you're a genetic researcher, yeah. so like messing around with DNA and stuff is your thing, but. But like, why would you want to mess around with DNA to the point where you're creating like some murderous like weapon assassin person? Yeah, you would think she would think twice about and that then, sooner, but. So she gives like the history of Laura here, and it's really fucked up. Yeah. Like they show like Hydra made sure she would be raised with no attachments and no love, and you just see a baby crying in a lab room on, in a crib, mm-hmm. and you see her grow up a little bit, and she's just got no support, like emotional support whatsoever. And then they're like, uh, but we did want to see how she would react in a normal environment. So they bring her to a park with a bunch of other children. And like some other kid comes up to her with like a little ballerina music box or whatever. And she can't handle it. She just like breaks it and she she has to be taken away from the park. I mean, the implication, I think, in a comic would be like she might have like tried to murder the child or Mm -hmm. successfully would. Because in the comic, a lot of the theme is like her dealing with all the murder she's committed on behalf of like whatever the shady organization is hiring her like i said i don't think in the comics is hydra Mm. something else but uh yeah i mean she's a lot more murderous in the comics and in the logan movie as well too yeah right so but here it's like obviously it's not going to be that graphic or they're not even going to really try to imply that she killed the other child but uh i I guess it's sort of subtly implicated that she's very dangerous Mm -hmm. and not a normal kid yeah. Well, not so subtly. She says we succeeded. The, right. the doctor says we succeeded in creating the ultimate weapon, but then we couldn't control her. So she really has to be found. Part of the DNA thing was like they stole DNA from Wolverine somehow. She doesn't say yeah. exactly how. And then like spliced the DNA into like all these other children mm. somehow. They, she doesn't Is explain that, that right. either, really. Yeah. Um, but and again, so, this would all be retconned like three times in the comics, too, based on my understanding. Right. Like, so none of this would really hold up. The thing is that X-23 has the healing factor, um, and, like, Wolverine is, like, appalled that his DNA was stolen for these experiments without his knowledge. Right. And then they, they she explains, too, that when she got to age 12, they gave her the adamantium bones and claws. Right. And you see her in <laughs> the he, classic, hor- like, tube right. of water with all the wires coming out of her. He's horrified by that as well, obviously, because yeah. it's the most traumatic thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. Right. And the fact that, like, but he was a grown man when they did that to him, not a 12-year-old girl. Or boy. Boy, right. Yeah. Any child. Yeah. Uh so yeah and there's like some montages of showing her training like slicing up some robots again it just like the animation is like next level in this episode it just mm-hmm. looks really good yeah they really pulled up out all the stops hmm. well then um so she's just like coming clean she says you gotta help me like catch X-23 she needs to be stopped and uh, Wolverine is just sort of 
like aghast and I guess he, he right. knows he how could you be part something. of this and she's like yeah I feel really guilty I, I want to undo some of the damage that's been done <laughs> she's like completely ruined this person's life completely yeah um, meanwhile, X-23 herself is hiding in the bushes and in some trees and stuff, watching the training happen. She doesn't really get the opportunity to make her move, whatever her move is going to be. Um, so then, like, some time passes. It's later at night. She climbs around. Well, they show Beast has taken over the training session, and they're having a lot of fun now. Right. Without, you know, they're, like, goofing around more, and Beast is a fun guy to be around. Mm-hmm. And so X-23 is sort of absorbing all of this. It makes sense. He used to be a high school gym teacher in this show. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> having a great time. Um, <laughs> so, but the, they're establishing the theme that that X-23 is alienated from happiness, love, joy, like, human connection. And as she observes all this in the X-Mansion, she's just, her anger is intensifying. Right. She's, like, climbing around the X-Mansion, watching through the windows as, like, Jean and Scott kid around with each other, mm-hmm. and then, like, Nightcrawler and Kitty are, like, having, having fun. fun. Right. And she just, like, is on the outside looking in. She finally, like, climbs into the X-Mansion, into an empty room, which I think is Logan's room. No, because there's a teddy bear in it. Oh. I think she goes to the teddy bear room first. Oh, okay. Is she. Oh, right. First, she just kind of, like, walks around to the different rooms and, like, looks yeah. at people's stuff. Right. And then she sits down in, I think it's Logan's room, and, like, puts her head down and starts crying. Well, yeah, she's not yeah. really crying. She looks like she's crying. Right. And Professor X comes in and... He's like, what's your name? Like, who are you? And again, basically? Professor X, like, how do you not... I guess this Professor X is just not set up to read people's minds automatically. But it's like, this is a stranger in your home. You think your first move would be to, like, probe her. Yeah. Uh, instead, he's just, like, a kindly old man in a wheelchair who just says, like, oh, how can I help you? Right. And she immediately attacks him. She's got this, like, series of, like, weird... They're bombs, we find out. Right. She the, These incapacitating things she glues to people's foreheads. It's like a little button with a red blinking light on it. Yeah, it, it electrifies you and it makes you unconscious, and uh, they'll explode if you try to remove them. So she puts one on Professor X. He falls down and is incapacitated. Um, and then she, like, systematically puts them on, like, everybody else in the X-Mansion. All the younger mutant kids, like, everyone. The only ones left are Cyclops, Berserker, and Rogue. And Wolverine. Well, yeah, but he comes in later. Right. So they're trying to, like, figure out how to get these blinking buttons off. Wolverine comes in. I don't know how he knows this, but he yeah. says that the bu- that they're I guess wired it, to explode if you he take got, them off. He got the debris from S.H.I.E.L.D., I would guess. Oh, yeah, right. That would make sense. Um, yeah, and Berserker then, was about to zap one off Professor X's head. And then... Right. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm caught up in the episode at this point. I'm like, just take the stupid thing off his head already. What are yeah, you guys, like, doing? You need his help. <laughs> And but luckily Wolverine comes in and tells him no, it's a bomb. Uh, there's like a little fight that breaks out here, which is also kind of cool because Weapon X, I mean, X twenty three is proving herself to be just such a competent fighter. Yeah. I mean, really, if you've seen the Logan movie, it's very similar. She's just like this unstoppable little tornado force, yeah, almost like Yoda fighting in uh, Episode two, Attack right. of the Clones, or just uh, this little like endless energy, endless energy, you flipping and flying around, and just like really hard to catch and stop. But it looks good in this. Yeah, animation. no, it looks. It's she's, it's the character. Yeah, and. Um, she like pretty quickly takes out like Cyclops and Rogue and Berserker. Also, they kind of fall over each other, and Rogue ends up absorbing their powers. And then, yeah, X twenty three puts the button things on their heads too, and that's it. Game over. So then it's just her and Wolverine, and it plays out how you see a lot of like superhero with their mentee 
fight scenes mm-hmm. where the the younger person they might even be stronger than the mentee but they're like filled mentor. with so much mentor right but they're so like filled with emotional rage that they tire themselves out mm. and the the uh, you know the the main guy in this case Wolverine is like I don't want to fight you mm. kind of thing so he has to just like take a lot of punishment but then also just be there for her when she finally starts crying and collapses into her arms we've seen that in far too many like superhero content part of me like <laughs> batman i think happens part of me almost expected that it was a ruse where like they fight all around mm-hmm. the x-mansion they finally go outside and you know he gives her like a little speech and then she does kind of collapse crying and he's mm-hmm. like you have to like let your emotions out now which is ironic coming from wolverine because he is not a character who's famous for being in touch with his emotions or being able to exp- if anything he needs to well. contain his emotions because he's got his berserker rage but then she does finally like collapse into him she's like hugging him and crying and part of me thought she was gonna like be hugging him and just real quick like slip out her like claws into his back or (laughs) something which i think that might have even happened in the movie at some point when she doesn't fully trust logan actually maybe not because she's friends with professor x if you remember so i think she's understands that wolverine's a good guy but um she doesn't do that yeah Um, right the helicopters, Nick Fury's helicopters, uh, start circling around. And They're she realizes for her. she's going to be arrested, and Wolverine's like, "Get out of here! Just go." Your life's been traumatic enough. You don't need to be in another facility. And he says, "You know, like you're, I'm the only one who understands you because I've been through the same things as you, and like we're family, and like now go save." <laughs> does yourself. he say we're family? No, but no, he something like that. Really? He says, yeah. "Like I'm the closest thing you have to a family." Oh, he does, yeah. And right. she's like, "I can't have a family," and she cries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, it's. In a way, the X-23 character is great because it crystallizes a lot about the Wolverine character you've seen in the comics and other stuff throughout the years. He's always got this young sort of like teenage girl that he, uh, you know, mentors Mm -hmm. and like, you know, be it Kitty Pryde or Jubilee or whatever throughout the years. And this is like his daughter now. Right, Rogue in the movies. And this is going to be his daughter. But it's like this one makes sense. The other ones don't really make a lot of sense. Well, Why is that a trope for him? I just think um, because it's like a he's, way to show his like vulnerability. Yes, yeah, that's why it was. It was like a because he's he's very closed off from the other characters and his colleagues. You know, like Cyclops, he's not friends with Cyclops in the comics. Yeah, he is kind of friends with uh, Nightcrawler and Colossus to a lesser extent, but not like don't really get too close to him. Like you said, it's a way to ex- uh, expose his um, vulnerable side. Mm-hmm. The the young, he's not going to be, he's going to start off mean to the young teenage girl character. Yeah. But then over time, like he has to pr- protect them in the course of battle or whatever. And they look up to him. And so he, you know, he gets a chance to like show like sort of like a, his uh, fatherly instincts or whatever and take someone under his wing. I guess. It, so I think it made sense for the character. Yeah. Okay. And here, but like I said, it's like the crystallization of that idea. Yeah. Because now it's This like, one makes more sense. Right, yeah. Than... It's it's way more personal for him. Yeah. So yeah. she runs off into the woods. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sure she's probably going to come back in the show at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue ends up... She, she well, gets... Well, the helicopters come in right. and like... Nick Fury's like, I, we got to capture her. And Wolverine's like, no, just you, you got to let her go. Right. So who knows if he's going to listen to that or not. And then we get a nice little ending here where Rogue rejoins the training with the other teammates. She's hesitant at first. Better. She's feeling better, but she's hesitant because she knows it's going to be tough. But Wolverine instead brings out do- a, a, like a, a big a burlap sack bag full of dodgeballs. Mm-hmm. Just says, have fun, play dodgeball. You, and all dodgeball. The, right. All the kids are happy. 
And Professor X is like, oh, a change of tactics, Logan. Mm-hmm. He says, well, sometimes you just gotta let kids be kids. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was like, it's just a well-written episode. Like, they really got into that theme. Yeah. And it's just a uh, great new character. Um, kudos to the X-Men Evolution, a five-star episode. <laughs> uh, it was kind of surprising. And it's just like, to me, the most surprising aspect was just how well it looked, too. The animation just looked really yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And uh, very kinetically directed. Uh, X-23 look great as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a character deserved to, like, spin off, too, in the comics and the movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else was I going to say? Like, it's just, it's, it is stunning in a way that Logan, a movie nominated for an Oscar, was based on a character from X-Men Evolution. <laughs> I find yeah, that... Yeah, to see it, to believe it. I couldn't believe it. So, um, and I like the X-23 character. I mean, I don't think, the implication strongly was by the end of Logan that they were definitely going to do a sequel where she was going to be a character. She, I mean, that young little actress really. She was great. She was great. That's like, wow, you're going to see more from her. Yeah. And there were, I think James Mangold, the director, was like, yeah, we're going to do another movie with her. But Disney bought Fox and then it's like, probably not. At least with not that actor. Maybe, like, way down the line, they'll bring X-23 back in some Disney movie. Hmm. I think almost guaranteed that's going to happen. But it probably won't be connected to the Logan continuity for a lot of obvious reasons. Right. Um, Anyway, I mean, I don't know what to say. I think if you haven't seen this one, uh, watch it for sure. Yeah, it's a good one. Like, it definitely works as a one-off, too. You don't need to know anything else about the X-Men Evolution show Mm -hmm. to to get anything out of this. Looks great. uh, Plays great. Uh, Oh, I mean, it's like like, um, Harlequin. Mm. She's a character oh, yeah, right. invented for Batman animated series, that's did not right. exist in the comics, and then before you know it, she's in movies, comic books. Has her own movie. TV shows. <laughs> yeah. You know, right, yeah, her own movies. And so, interesting. You know, an- animation, sometimes it just as fertile a, a uh, creative ground as the comic books are. Mm. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's all I got for this episode. So, any final words before we depart? Nope. Good night, everybody. Good night.